Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. We're talking about Colin Stokes' TED Talk, How Movies Teach Manhood. Stay tuned. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz hey. Yo, what up, AfterBuzzers? Welcome to Talking TED Talks. It's your boy, DJ Jesse J. joining studio. Whoa, I'm back. It's Yaz and Tamras. She ain't on the screen. She on the screen, but she um, ain't on, on the screen. <laughs> back on the screen next to you. I'm no, so I'm happy fine. to be back. And you got a new hairstyle. That's why. It's not. Everybody's I literally just washed my hair. I just, I'm, I'm, all right, it's not gelled. I decided not to That's gel it. That's it. I actually like it. Thank you. It looks good. So today we're talking about how movies teach manhood, and we have a friend and a homie in studio, and you're just going to fall in love with just everything he says. Yes, because we have Taran Van Gosri. I love how you said my name. It's perfect. And just, I love your new hair. It looks amazing. Pervalescent. <laughs> it's you, it's, it's it? amazing. <laughs> with some conditioner Appreciate sprinkled it. in there, hey? So yes, we do want to present you, and you are a comedian. Median host, writer, uh, social activist as well. And You're- when it comes to this, I'm actually just a guy. And that's the perfect person to have to talk about male <laughs> toxic masculinity is Tehran. Like, I would be perfect for this topic. Well, that's it. I mean, yeah. reading about your background as well, I mean, so you're from Washington. and I'm from Washington, D.C., so DC. not to be confused right. with the Washington as in the state where Seattle oh, is, because people do that all the right. time. Seattle's actually a lot of fun. I mean, fun, it's cute. Especially in the fun? 90s. Especially okay. in the 90s. That's when where, where grunge was born, right? True. But I'm from Washington, D.C., where politics mm. was born, <laughs> and that's where I'm from. Uh-huh. Okay, so Forgive me. I don't want to confuse. It's Washington, D.C. I know. I already messed up. First time back and I'm already messing up. (laughs) You could never mess up. So, (laughs) you were born, though, to strict immigrant, uh, Iranian, Muslim, and Soroastrian father. In juxtaposition, your mother, on the other hand, was a liberal African-American Baptist and Jewish mom. This is true. This is, and that's a that's, lot. That's a that's a mouthful. It's a lifeful. It's a big just to let stew. You know. it's, yes. a, it's a big mix stew right there, isn't it? And, and then great. you're also a law graduate. I have a master's in economics and a law degree, so Jeez. I'm the most overqualified comedian. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Besides so Dr. Ken, who is an actual doctor. I love how you're basically like the mix of Dave Chappelle and Maz Jobani. Yeah. Um, so you have a lot of like diverse intellectual uh, family friends type of comedy and you have your own show at the Law Factory on Mondays True. and Thursdays at 10pm. But I don't have an accent so everything I say is not as valid as anything you say. But oh. you do have an accent. Uh, do so I? I have an accent that's just a generalized mannerism in the way that I speak. No, you have like this dope like stereo what is it stereo voice sound to it's that like it's like you talk well. from right here it doesn't hit here but it's right here tell me more tell me more remind me really of craig david as well i like that and if yeah. i was from london He's i would smooth. know who that is that's amazing 
If I was from Mon- London in the, in the early 2000s, I would know exactly who Craig David is. He's Either awesome. that or Idris Alba. Both oh, of those know who, yes, who Craig yeah. David is. Well, are. you fit into that criteria. I, feel. Uh, I wish. <laughs> 007 Tehran. <laughs> well, you better listen to his podcast, Imperfect Gentleman. It is. As well. It's an imperfect gentleman. And I'm not a fan of Idris Alba becoming James Bond. I am not. Speak on it. I, I, specifically speaking, and I, I will say this, I am all about diversity. I'm all about representation. I'm sure we're going to get into that today. However, Edris Alba being 007 doesn't make sense to me. Because 007 primarily takes place in Europe. So this is what's going to happen. All those bad guys are going to be like, oh no, James Bond escaped. Where is he? Oh, there he is. It's the black guy. He's the only one here. Look at him. It's James Bond. The black guy. Like, that's all it's going to take in every single situation. Uh, uh, I'm trying to save the world here. Uh, excuse me, sir. Uh, we had to stop you because we're the police. <laughs> For what? Because <laughs> you're black. Like, it's just... It's, no, it's see, as a, as a parody, it could okay, work. Okay, but sorry. I need to break this conversation up just because when I came to sure. this country, I was heavily shocked by the perspective and and, and that and, and the whole notion of, like, uh, black versus, I mean, white, brown, brown everyone. white, yellow, whatever. Like, I know in England we have this conversation. No, no, no. That's because you're from London. There's a very big difference. You are from the metropolitan that's the most diverse in the entire world. Highly And has the most mixed couples you know in what? the world we as well. But also mm. don't talk about it as much as it's you talked do not. about here. Sure, because it's not as much a part of your history. It is a part of your uh, imperialistic programming. So you guys created it and then America consequentially adopted it. And because of that, it is a part of our culture and our heritage. So, yes, we talk about race because race is a defining moment in the history I mean, of the United States. It's a part States. of our culture, too. It though, is a foundation of ways. the United States. And that's the difference, to be very honest. In England, it didn't start out racist. It became racist. The United States began with racism. Right. And that's why it's But, different. you know, we're living in 2019. Sure. It should be eradicating or eradicated. Should. And but- you know, London has got a very long history with so many different countries as well. So, you know, I think... No, 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 no. I blame England for all of this. I'm just saying that that's what happened. So if you look if you I look at the you. parent, it's like you can blame the mom, but Psycho was the one who killed everyone. Yeah. It, the mom was the parent, 100%. And the abuse that the mom gave was what caused Psycho down, yeah. cr- to be created. But once that happened, Psycho's the killer. That's where we are right now. We are the child. We are the byproduct of unfortunate English capitalism well, and help. imperialism. Well, hopefully lessons can be learned today. Speaking of children. Spectrum, yes, children. Um, Colin Stokes was the speaker. Exactly. And he... I want to get this over for you. Oh, go yes. ahead. Give us a little rundown yeah. of Colin Stokes. And okay. then I want to ask Tayron something. Go ahead. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. So um, just to give you a little bit of a lowdown as to who our TED speaker was, Colin Stokes actually got a degree in graphic designing from Harvard University and then pursued acting in New York City. Um, He starred on the stage in the long-running off-Broadway musical I Love You, You're Perfect, but now change. Uh, he's also been in Shakespeare plays and a couple of Law and Order episodes. But then he uh, had a family, and that led him to become the managing director of communications at Citizen Schools, which is a school that provides support to low-income, mid-income families, those kids that need the support in skills, access, and beliefs um, for them to thrive and succeed as adults in the modern economy. So mm. that is why he was very passionate about this talk. He also did another talk three years ago about the little white lies that we tell our children. 
That well, actually would be a really interesting uh, one to see. Um, watching this, though, because I've actually watched two of these kind of similar conversations. One was more so targeted towards Disney. What was your overall take, Tehran, of, of him as a speaker on this subject? I loved that he was able to speak on it. I don't know if he made his points as clear as he should, but I will say this ultimately. I would have rather it been Yasmin or Allison, who he spoke on, instead of him. This was, to me, a case of mansplaining sexism from a man. Mm. And as much as I appreciate allies, as I am personally also an ally, it is not my place. And it wasn't his place in particular. That's all. I love that, actually. Because I felt the same way. I watched it back, and I think it's a great conversation to spark up and talk about. Uh, it was certain parts didn't really come full circle for me. Uh, moments I kind of left it with, okay, and... Uh, and we were supposed to have another speaker in Dr. Ali, uh, <clears throat> who was going to come in, but she she making some coins on a whole nother level, so I couldn't even be mad at that. But she will be in on another day and time. Um, I really wanted to ask that because a lot of these times we do these talking TED Talks, and that's actually a question that we haven't asked the guest or whoever comes in. Um, and I think that's important, you know, uh, realizing I want to get this to be an open table. You know, like I always say, TED Talks was something to me. I came into this late. I thought TED Talks was all about technology, you know, and it was like, oh, here comes this white man just standing up here and he's going to talk to me about what Apple's putting out there or whatever the case is. And when I started understanding how much, how deep these went, I was like, wow, I know I can't be the only person who didn't think this, and I wanted to be able to bring this to a table to have this kind of conversation. Mm, Because I think we... Go ahead. No, please finish. We live in a generation where we are trying to make these shifts and we're trying to make these changes and I've again I went back and he talks about my dad always says my favorite movie in the world is The Wizard of Oz. He said because I think it is one of the most <clears throat> groundbreaking movies that has ever been made and nothing has ever come out like it. You know, everyone tries to replicate, everyone tries to recreate the story. He was like, but and so to hear, you know, Colin speak about it and see how his daughter reacted to it and how his son reacted to star wars um what was you guys what was your guys' take on the whole wizard of oz star wars boy girl having a lead you know a movie that was done so far back in the days that it was a female lead and it was the women being the hero and the heroine well i had a very interesting take on that to begin with but before we get there, I'd love to ask Yasmin the question that you asked me. How did you feel about Colin being the speaker? Okay. Um, he's a very interesting personality. I found him very stoic in his form. Um, and I enjoyed the fact that he presented his personal narrative. I don't think, you know, I, I, personally, I don't think it's wrong of him, that type of a personality, to be talking upon this subject because it's something he's observed through his kids. That made me think about, oh, my kids, like, what are they going to be absorbing when I have kids? So I enjoyed that. Um, and But I do agree with Jesse that there were moments where I was like, okay, where is this leading to? Like, how, what can we go into a little bit more deeper than that? And I feel through this conversation, we'll be able to dig into it a little bit more because I found this topic fascinating Jesse brought it forward and I was like I love this topic and the reason why I love it is because I agree with the fact that um, 
male in society still suppress a lot. Women are rising above, they're speaking up, um, but male, g- given history and circumstances, but there's a certain aspect of, let's say, the feminine side. It's not a feminine, I don't even want to call it a feminine side, it's just a human side that they still don't seek to express because of the way that society has imposed on them to act in a certain manner. Maybe. Maybe. Or maybe not. So, in my opinion, here's the concept we have to discuss often. We confuse masculinity with toxic masculinity. Mm -hmm. And one's anthropological and the other is sociological. Now, while gender is a creation of society, sex is not. Male and female does exist. However, the concept of gender, boy, girl, boys like blue, girls like pink, that's a sociological factor in which we've created from nature versus Mm -hmm. nurture. Masculinity is an anthropological evolutionary decision that we have all gone through, uh, through heritage, through genetics. We exist. However, when it comes to toxic masculinity, that behavioral process, if I'm a straight cis male, I will be attracted to an attractive woman. The way I decide to interact with that woman is sociologically dictated how far I go. So do I grab her? And just touch her without without permission? Or do I recognize I'm attracted to her and approach her in a mannerism which is through conversation? It, it, it's all dictated by programming, right? So when we look at things and we say, oh, well, movies program us. Yes, they do. Of course they do. Uh, but so do our friends and our environment and the world we see around us. It's all one big circle. It's a Venn diagram of cause and effect in which we... We often find ourselves victims of toxic masculinity because of the world that we live in. Mm-hmm. It's everything that you're displayed with, images, uh, music lyrics, um, uh, f- peer pressure, and entirely eradicated intimacy within pornography as well. Is there, do you guys feel that there's a difference where, you know, uh, he talks about The Wizard of Oz, he did, or Disney, and things like that, he, and, you know, he credited Disney... And then I really had to go back and like think of, you know, I did this post, which we'll talk about later, about who inspired you from Disney. Mm-hmm. And to see some of the answers was interesting to me because a lot of them weren't even human. Well, Disney's one of the biggest proprietors of sociological programming, right? So let's even look at the movie he spoke about, Wizard of Oz, in which he spoke and he said so profoundly that most of the main characters were women. The heroines and the villains were women. However, at the time that the movie came out, fantasy was also dictated towards women. And since this was a fantasy movie, it was more geared towards women, as in it inspired women or played the same way we would use Barbie dolls to express that. However, if you look at something from, it depends on your personal view, right? So if I look at Wizard of Oz from, let's say, a racial perspective, to me, it's a movie entirely about white privilege. Right. Dorothy comes, lands, kills the uh, kills the Wicked Witch, Witch of, the, of the East, who is, I mean, the Wicked Witch of the West, who is green, and then, without saying, oh no, I killed someone, takes her shoes, which are, by the way, not her property, and then goes, they're mine now. And then goes on to uh, try to enforce a change in the Wicked Witch of the West in which she thinks she's freeing the people when in fact the majority of the people actually engage and are part of the Wicked Witch of the West's uh, regime. They enjoy, The monkeys <coughs> like her. All the, all the evil characters which outnumber all the good characters are actually just her citizens. And whether we like it or not, that's how they decided to run their government. A world in which Dorothy hadn't been there for five minutes and decided to assess the this entire is- thing. Now, 
because she Does was that a friendly person. Oh, oh, she was friendly. And then people enjoy that so much more when because of the Columbus was friendly. I mean, well, it just depends on. It depends on. But the see, story, the narrative there, as you can see, because, as, as what as what Colin had mentioned, it's sure. about the whole fact of the leadership being somebody that's likable and friendly and kind. Because we're looking at it from the point of this narrator. So if we read a story, then guess what? When when told by an animal, the hunter is the villain. But when you ask the story from the hunter, he's the champion who saved the village. It just depends on whose side of the story we're looking at. If you look at even something, we can look at, like we can the look Wiz. at any movie. In, uh, not The Wiz. Uh, um, uh, oh my god, what is it? Wicked. Wicked. Where it, it talks about her side her of it. Side. And it completely flips, and it the, flips entire the entire thing. thing. And I you see it from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Now, and I'm not saying this because I'm trying to just destroy his argument. I'm not. I'm just explaining that looking at it from a perspective is what gives you perspective. You look at something like the Lion King, and the hyenas are the most evil creatures on the planet. But what do they even want? They just wanted to eat. Mm-hmm. Like they were like, everyone can eat except for those hyenas because we don't like the way you look or the things. And you're you banished eat. to this dark. And you're place. banished to the place with no food. Like they were literally starving to death. They didn't want to rule the world. They didn't want to take over yeah, but that's everything. That, but I'm just saying, in general, this is the thing: is about perspective. Now, do I believe that we need more female representation? Yes, 100%. Female representation is extremely important because representation is extremely important. I, you, you brought up the fact that I'm a comedian. The reason that I'm a comedian is because when I was graduating law school and trying to figure out what I wanted to do, I turned on the TV one day and I saw a comedian named Mikey Winfield, who's a friend of mine now. And I saw a guy who was light-skinned, black hair, I, I mean, light-skinned, fro hair, black hair, curly hair like mine, uh, looked similar to me, and he was doing a comedy show and then introducing music videos, and I literally said, man, if he can do it, I can do it. And this was me at 20, 21. This was, or actually I was like 22. This isn't me at 12. This isn't even me at 7. How much more do you think it affects a 7-year-old or a 12-year-old? Right. If I'm affected at 22, representation is important. Now, do I think Wizard of Oz is necessarily the epitome of positive representation? I personally don't, but then I think Milana. I think Milana is. I think Milan. Milan is. Yeah. I think. I think Brave. Which is interesting, Brave is. okay? Because when I was a kid, yeah. I had this lunchbox which had the picture of Milan on it, and then kids would always like say, "Oh, you look like Milan because of your eyes," and it, it would make me feel actually really shy about it. I actually hated it because then I thought, "Oh, am I seen like a boy then, or something?" Right? Because she's like this female warrior, but as a girl you're just like no i want to be this princess so i tilt it more towards princess jasmine or uh, princess Belle and what yeah stockholm syndrome and of course abuse boyfriend sure you can you can be programmed to those things too you, you have ariel it's true like beauty and the beast or, or ariel no, well, hey, i give up my entire family and everything and i can't even speak and this guy meets me and falls in love with me and i'm willing to give up everything that i know in my life to be with that's the little mermaid but I mean, most of these are, are fantasy like you said fantasy right so then when you look at something Mulan which is based off of you know history but then also a little over obviously fantasized sure but we well. believe in fantasy do you know how we know because religion is a big thing and even mm. though we don't have pr- proof we do have faith and so when we see things and we're programmed with them we believe them 
Well, if you asked a triangle what's the best shape in the universe, the triangle would undoubtedly say it's a triangle because that's all that they know how to be. And a square would say a square and a circle would say it's a circle. Mm. And yet we see that in the universe we need all of these shapes in order to exist. And that's why I'm saying representation is so important and so is diversity. And that female voice that we're seeing increasingly in, in the entertainment space is even more important indeed. But let's say, because this is about the title being of how movies teach manhood. Do you think these Disney movies or anything out there actually are teaching men to be real great men? Or is there some form of toxicity? Can't say the word toxicity. (laughs) That is in there. I think I think fathers teach manhood. I think the number one thing we see, especially when we speak on criminal behavior, the number one thing you see is, let's look at how your father acted, or if your father was in your life. We see that the most. We know that something as simple as having a two-parent household, invariably, statistically speaking, not my personal opinion, having two parents, whether they're two males or two females or whatever the situation may be, in a household, having two parents eliminates something like 60% of all things that we call criminal aptitude. It's a very simple statistic. So when you say, is it the movie? Mm, Movies taint. But who ultimately teaches? I think it's the men around us. I think it's your father, it's your uncle, it's your father's best friend, it's the boys you inevitably hang out with. But that's still the. I mean, that's the biggest factor. I I think as well. Colin does mention that's a byproduct that entertainment and other facets um, teach certain characteristics, right? But it ultimately does lie within the family and this is where he also mentions fathers need to step up to teach their sons properly to love their sisters to respect women who are standing up for themselves and also becoming stronger and warriors in a sense rather than fearing them and thinking we need a young fresh good-looking woman who is young forever that kind of perspective because a lot of older men still go for these younger women or like you know there's there's something that's still not aligning in a sense. But that could be an anthropological idea. It's not as if we lose our sense of attraction because we become older. It's not like older women go in looking at older men and thinking that they're really good looking. They understand the sensibility that some men are unable to have, unfortunately. However, at the same time, we are programmed in order to biologically copulate, in order to procreate, right? So you're looking at someone who's younger and saying, oh, they're more likely to have my child than someone who's not. That's a simple biological factor. It's anthropological. What isn't is sociologically putting uh, an oftentimes we see an older star match with the younger star and that's considered just normal there's no conversation about it and that is something that's detrimental taking even to taking a choice exactly like if you pair scarlett johansson with harrison ford that should be a conversation (laughs) i'm not saying it doesn't happen i'm just saying that needs to be a conversation of why this is happening why oftentimes do we have a 50 year old in hollywood matched with the 25 or 30 year old and that's just the normal couple but if it's a it's a conversation if it's flipped the other way and we do exactly if you have it flipped the other way it actually becomes the entire part of the movie it's it's what women want (laughs) part three or or, you know stella got her groove back or cougars for life or something so 
that's the that's the conversation. The conversation becomes then again, who are in these writer rooms? Mm-hmm. Who are who are the people in these writer rooms? And you find out. I, I was actually part of a room recently, and and for me, it's not so much about uh, misogyny as it is about diversity of race and ethnicity, mm-hmm. of course, because that's my personal experience. Right. And even though that is, that doesn't mean that I detract from from yours being one of sexism it's equally important Mm -hmm. i just want to throw out because we've got some people in our chat um it's firing off so uh rick's maze tv news saying that does drink trick me into believing women were nice so going back onto something that we who hurt you bro yeah (laughs) (laughs) um home alone teaches you to beat up burglars so that's an example of perhaps um Actually, he thwarts a burglar. He thwarts a burglar. He's protecting his And I'm not sure if you agree with this, but this could be 90s and 80s films taught manhood better than the 2000s onwards. I definitely disagree with that. Yeah. I definitely disagree with that concept because if you watch something like The Breakfast Club, who does she fall in love with? Is it the really nice guy or the sweet nerd? No, it's the guy who was the most abusive to her entire, the entirety of the movie. That's that's that fantasy of uh, the neg, right? The neg is... Oh, well, if he hit you at the playground, it's because he liked you. How about we keep our hands to ourselves? We we learned that right. in, in kindergarten. And who starts that? Well, that's the thing. It, honestly, who starts that is an anthropological discussion. So we see, we see, once again, not my opinion, when it comes to animals, very similar behavior. And when you look at it on a biological standpoint, you understand it. However, this is the difference between us and animals is the ability to do three things. We use our opposable thumbs. We learn in a community, meaning that I learn from people who have done things before me and people who are around me. I learn how to do things and learn things. And and thirdly, that we have the ability to become civilized or do above our our animalistic instinct and above the fray. Now, that doesn't mean we we can negate it, but it does mean that we can contain it. So your personal experience, how did both of your parents... uh teach you to be a man like what, what was it because i, because I do you think have two very different parents very yeah. different backgrounds and well because outlooks. i think you know i look at a lot of people who don't uh sorry <laughs> who don't have a father and they have sometimes a mother who is you know not paying attention that she's raising a child you know not that she's not paying attention that she's raising a child but she's so angry towards him that she forgets to be that positive influence which you know you still is to blame on the father for not being there sometimes you know what i mean but you know saying like oh no good and all that kind of stuff so i think it is on both ends of it so for you personally what would you say was your personal experience so my personal experience i had a a wonderful father who was at times too much a father right so my parents were vastly even too loving where and don't get me wrong i'm emotionally unavailable like all the other men in la however i just do it better right i just handle it a little better but the concept is watching my father i learned certain principles i learned from him being extremely not extremely conservative but conservative culturally Mm. i realized things like when i broke my phone for example if i break my phone now, my first instinct is to go buy a new phone. But if my brother, my father broke his phone, his instinct, his idea would be, how do I fix this phone? How do I fix that this is my phone? I need to fix this. And that same mentality translates into a relationship. This is my wife. This is my family. How do I fix this? How do I keep this intact? What do we need to do together? And that's a different mentality, yeah. right? So on, on one hand, that's a good way to be. But on the other hand, if you see 
cultural conservatism as we need to oppress women or women shouldn't be allowed to vote or any of the things that unfortunately are part of our real history and what people forget current status then that's an unfortunate uh, uh, unfortunate byproduct of it so my father was very much a man taught me how to work on cars and how to fix things and how to be protective but one thing uh, that's taught and this is a very interesting dynamic in the Middle East that people don't realize oftentimes is that while people are like oh they're out there sometimes and unfortunately oppressing women it's it's not that we have an idea where we don't trust women it's that we don't trust the men and 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 that's a different concept now if you cultivate that concept and understand it then it becomes better but unfortunately like everything else when added to the masses that's when it becomes a poor example. But I don't even think it applies to the Middle East. It's more prevalent there, 100%. However, I will say this, as a woman, late at, like late at night, in the dark, when we're walking down the streets, even at home, we don't feel safe. Of course. Why do we get that sense, though? We shouldn't be feeling like this. Possibly. That's also something where you can say it's an anthropological factor. There are scientific studies which consider that. But also, the concept is when Jess and I leave the club, we just go home. When you leave the club, you have to not get raped and or murdered. Yeah, when we but- get in an Uber, we just get in an Uber. When you get in an Uber, Yasmin, you have to get raped and or not murdered. So, but again, yes, where does that come from? It, it becomes- society, like society. Because like, exactly. actually, just for me personally, I don't feel that way. I worry about those similar things because yeah. they have happened to me. Okay. You know, as a gay male. Well, like- you're also much prettier than I am, so I don't worry about it as much. <laughs> and with your new hair. With the new hair, I'm, but I'm so sorry that these things have happened. Personally, I think it's society. Like, it's because of experience because even if it hasn't happened to you you hear things you know i grew up in a greek family where my yaya was it was you're gonna get grandmother yeah my grandmother you're gonna get salmonella you're gonna if you touch that turtle you're gonna get this you're gonna do that you're gonna do that i didn't want to do nothing because this is what i have been taught this is what instilled in me so i'm scared of everything (laughs) and then going to a city Mm -hmm. i was scared and then i think sometimes we exude that kind of fear too like me personally as as a male i exuded that fear and things sometimes would have came across in my life and happened to then it was like okay i don't even want to go anywhere and when you experience that and then you look at it like okay well why does a group of people feel like this why do women feel like this well because these are the numbers you know he said he one in five 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 american ladies had experienced sexual assault. Yeah, like you hear that number, it's like, well, I don't want to be in a dark alley. I don't want to be in a street. And he was questioning as well, what kind of men are doing this and why? And here's the the problem. It's everyday men. It's not, you're not looking at it like, sure, there's that one guy who's a creeper who's like, yeah, I'm here. But, (laughs) on the same time, because you can be aware of someone There's also a regular person who is who creates an unfortunate circumstance and that's what we need to stop but in a lot of things and and this isn't a a knock on anything that is actual mental illness because mental illness is a real 
yeah. real ailment. What this is is how do you stop crazy? And crazy is craziness when things get out of hand, when when behavior becomes erratic, something you cannot count or rely on. Does that power stem from it? Of course, it's a part of power. It's a part of desire. It's a part of it's a part of everything that you can put together. How do you stop that? And if you can answer that question in a lot of ways, it's unfortunate, but it's how do you stop or curtail human behavior it's mm. interesting um that you brought up power and and what you're touching upon there because there was an article published on vice by um james squire university of zurich they did this whole research and it, they found that men's brains rewarded selfish behavior within the stradium part of the brain whereas women's brains rewarded generosity once again, who has the babies? Yeah. I mean, a lot of people don't realize, like, even anthropologically speaking, it, it de- decides why men are more prone to risky behavior versus women. The concept is, is because it, I don't have to invest as much time in raising a child as a woman does. If I, my investment might be three to ten minutes, a, a woman's investment is three to ten years. Until a baby is able to just walk on its own and live on its own and survive, probably around seven, age seven is average, where a baby could go and then actually survive. And that investment means why men are prone to risky behavior to denote alpha male behavior versus women. Mm. I mean, it's anthropological, but we need to do better. Well, men need to, but also women, just as you mentioned as well. So if there's no male figure, the woman has to act as both male and female, that she also has to instill those values into a man. Don't and her, judge and the boy. And sometimes herself, too. Exactly. Because, uh, you know, I go going in back into his conversation, I look mm-hmm. at, you brought up Beauty and the Beast, right? And... Uh, Back in you know growing up, I loved it. it clocks and you know singing the candles, fantasy things. I wasn't thinking about like the, I never thought about the relationship like between a man and a the woman. And maybe that Outwardly, was outwardly you didn't, but subconsciously we realize the children, which is why you're able to learn languages when you're a child. Think about what you go through from age zero to age five. The things that you're able to learn that you would never be able to do or accomplish. Now you learn things through simple mm-hmm. context, including all of language. Right? It's simple simple context you have no other well, understanding to understand like you and we grew up with families where this is a movie this is not reality this is fantasy understanding that when watching it because i i like you grew up in a household of you know immigrant parents who it was you know this is love my parents have been together for 40 years this is how a man treats a woman and this is how she treats her husband like it was very equal my father is you know that's if you're exposed to that yeah yeah and so but going to that now as an older older looking being in a relationship and looking back at something like beauty and the beast and it's like as a woman as a girl how would i ever know what type of man to ever if i didn't have that male in my life like someone like my father to show me what unconditional love is in a positive aspect. Was all this just to tell us you're in a relationship? I feel like I'm not in a relationship. (laughs) I I wish. But that's through your peers then. But peers. But Mm -hmm. with these movies, I look at it like, look at something like Beauty and the Beast, you know, which is so praised upon. But here's Belle, this woman who, you know, she's adventurous and, you know, she'll go and she'll... Goes out on her own into the woods. But does she? Because then she meets this man who she understands like, oh, he He's angry and mean and abusive, but it's because of but something. And I she, have to fix him. I have to fix him. But she fixes him, but then look at Gaston. Yeah, but I disagree there. with you oh, about something. Okay, Gaston. but then I, let me just say Please. about this. Then if the roles were no, reversed, this is her, her, her hero. Yeah, but I wanted to be <laughs> Belle when I was there. <laughs> I actually had the dress and everything. <laughs> this picture's out there. Um, if the roles were reversed, though. 
if if let's say the beast was female and the the guy this was the hero's journey who's the guy how would you feel about that but it is you look at melissa and the maleficent we see that all the time we see that in every marriage is female again no we see that in every marriage story that exists so the concept is yes you do because reversal in the concept of a marriage let's look at al bundy Peggy's horrible, Peggy's this, Peggy's the beast, and I'm the male savior in a way. Yeah. And sure, it's a humorous take on it, not but that's savior. the concept. It's not even the savior, though. It's actually just a, 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 a person of love and nurture to be for, for somebody there that is actually horrible. Well, then Belle, has a heart. then Belle would have found a person who's suited to her and not someone that she had to change or fix. And that's the concept. That's what we need to not push the narrative of. Love is hurt. It yeah. is not. And that's the concept <laughs> okay, because so that, many people are hurt. I mean, and I, when you I, said yeah. something, Yasmin, when you said, oh, well, then then the families where the mom has to step up and then take on that role, no. <laughs> yes, no. women do have to. No, they to. don't. That We've already... Women do enough. Women breastfeed us and we're like, no, don't do that in front of us. Listen, and women I am create, a woman. And they push a human out of their body. Here's the thing. We have these words for women who have children without a husband she's a slut the, the child's a bastard but what do we call the guy rick we don't have a word for him he just left rick left there is no word we need to stop there is a word we don't tie it to him. Yeah. Ba- a bastard you know no I mean? no but- bastard's the child the bastard is the child who doesn't have a father that's what that it literally means but rick there is no actual word there is no word deadbeat that- mm. but it's not <laughs> as harmful that's like saying cracker to-, to the n-word right so here we have these yeah. harf- harmful words. We give our women so much responsibility. Step up. You want to be a man? That's how you do it. Step up. Exactly. I agree. Be a man. Step but up. But if the man isn't there, then the woman has to. And then what we have to do is and change the, the fact that the man isn't there. Yes. That's what we need. Instead of saying... Well, Which is what he said, the new manhood. Change, the new definition of manhood. Change it. And I don't mean to do this in a mansplaining way. I'm mm-hmm. doing this in a way that maybe... Possibly you were programmed by Bell, and, and and I'm trying to undo some of that programming because that is not how it works. I just love. I was just with things. Stephanie. Never <laughs> with Stephanie's. Listen, baby. as the consummate f boy, I'm letting you know that's not how it works. It's not how it has to be. Okay. And and that's the case. And when it comes to I feel like I'm to- in therapy. Toxic masculinity. We have to de. It's like if you if you had toxic if you were toxic on the inside. What is that? Cancer, right? Mm. We need to detox. We need well, to detox yeah, as a society. I mean, that's it. I mean, as yeah. well, you know, when when you're listening to I don't know smooth tunes or if you say something that might be a little bit mushy. Have you ever experienced that as growing up as a, a young boy being like, oh, you're being too soft right now? No, no, I don't. But I can understand that. Like, I could, no, I'm, <laughs> look. I've cried twice. One time when Fresh Prince's dad left. And, and see, what is the issue with that? It's no issue. It's, it's, it's a personal thing. Like, it's a personal thing. I cry all the time. For me, don't put pose on. Yeah. Okay. Um, are we going to quickly Yeah. Into so, our... really quickly, so we do Ted the Teddies every week. Uh, so, let's get into our Twitter poll. So, our first question was Which Disney character did you identify most when you were growing up? And we had a lot of different, I mean, every this type was, of you guys Disney love this character. Question. Yeah, we had Aladdin, Cinderella, Tarzan, Pocahontas, Darkwing Duck. And there were a couple of really interesting answers here, which one you mentioned was the uh, no one. They said no one had my skin color. So mm-hmm. no one. Then Goody because they were hilarious. Goof, Goody, Goofy because they were hilarious, but still had responsibilities um, under one roof. Which is actually really funny that out of all the Disney characters, he's the one that got the storyline with the family. That's I don't know why. That's because like, Mickey was supposed to be like the biggest one out of yeah. all of them, but he never. He just had the girl. But Goofy was the one to have that whole family, family aspect. Oh, that's just- yeah, um, at least they got pants. Let's go. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then there was Mulan, of course, who is the OG female warrior. Um, second question was, do Disney cartoons portray a healthy manhood? 15% said yes, whereas 85% said no. So there's definitely a realization point in that. I don't know if my picture as well kind of instigated that because a lot no, of that was a liar. Actually, that picture was really dope. I was I tried finding that on my own. You gotta oh. go on at Talking TED Talks just to see those polls with those pictures. They're they're quite cool. Um, yeah. The final question was to men: Do you feel pressure to uphold a certain characteristic of manliness? And 64% said yes, whereas 36% said no. And I think I mean from I don't I'm not gonna name anyone but I, f- I feel like the ones that said no were the ones that really knew themselves and held their stands no matter what like they don't really care. The ones that said no on mine were female and I was like well <laughs> <laughs> stop trolling me guys. But I think you know it, it has a lot to speak for the way that our society has been um, constructed and the things that have been showcased to our kids and the way that we've been educated from such a young age. Yeah. Um, I feel like we should end with our tangible tools on simple tools on how you can really teach manhood in a proper way, as you were saying, men teaching their sons and. None of us have children, correct? Mm. Tamara. Allegedly. Okay, okay. allegedly. No, I have no so, children. So, two peers. I don't care what you say, Maury. Is there, what's what's something, I would like to say that, because I think that, you know, it's, well, theme of the day, is having conversations. You know, you see a lot of people who, uh, they run from conversations of peers because it's difficult. It, they don't understand it, and they don't want to sit and listen to why Bell and the Beast and all this, and, oh, toxic masculinity. What are tangible tools that we can do as people to starting this type of conversation and pushing if you're if you're asking me i don't know and the first step is admitting that i don't know i don't know if i'm going to be able to teach my son how to be a man but i promise that i'll teach my son how to be a good human being Mm. and i think that might be the first step it's just being a good person literally being a good person is such an invaluable trait that we should hold in high regard and yet often we forget Instead of thinking of manhood, I'm just going to teach my son and my daughter humanhood and go from there. Mm, Mm. I like that. I was going to say, teach your boys to... It's okay to cry. Just cry anytime. Kind it's of good. anticlimactic after my mic drop. <laughs> right, yes. yeah, you had a whole mic drop. <laughs> and yeah, just don't let those feelings be bottled up. I do believe that men have a tendency to bottle things up, and that's something that... And it can shift sometimes what that emotion is to something else. Yeah, and um, it was interesting because when we had Chandrish come into the studio talking about... It was about the topic of uh, long-term desire. Um, he said that when men try to meditate in this area, they're blocked. They're completely blocked because they're yeah, my ovaries inside. tend not to do well <laughs> with, with meditating in that area. Well, it's still your manhood there. <laughs> it's a little lower, but you know, uh, I would say language. The one thing that the, I just did two other shows, and the similar conversation was language. One thing personally that I am working on right now is uh, understanding that there was a block of my life that I didn't get to be myself or in the full capacity of understanding who I was as a person, and understanding that society didn't see that and. I catch myself saying boy and girl to people like, oh, we're just boys. We're just, you know, girls and things like that. And it's like, I'm a man. And? And women. Th- and There's nothing wrong with being a girl. Huh? No, there's nothing wrong with being I'm a girl. I'm just saying because that's but a But changing of, verbiage if, because if even like... have back a problem in, with the word girl, it probably... I, to me, it's like I have a problem with you. You have a problem with the world girl. But the world girl uh, is a strong 
But respect yeah. under yeah, it's I agree. Not that. And respecting it because yeah. even like there's things like, you know, someone uh using the word gay as in a negative term. It's like I've used that. Like, oh that's gay, that's gay. But it, understanding like how that affected me in high school by yeah. using that, I was it made me more ashamed because it meant less than or Yeah, but there's nothing more gay than a straight guy, so I don't know. That is that's the sometimes the that's truth. That's a real truth thing to say. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well But yeah, Tehran, thank you thank for coming you. through. Yeah. Thank you. Sharing your, your voice, your knowledge, and everything. What you're you're honest. Very insightful. Listen, oh, what do I know? No, because That's I could just literally just sit and just listening and just stare just at you. Just learn for hours. about all yeah. the anthropology and sociology and history of the world. Just my opinion. <laughs> I'd like to say that my opinions do not reflect the attitudes of AfterBuzz and or its affiliates. But where can people go to hear your opinions? Well, you can of course find my opinions all across the board at I am Tehran. I A M T E H R A N because that is who I am, and also I host and panel a slew of other AfterBuzz after shows because all of your favorite TV programs are my favorite TV programs too. And The Imperfect Gentleman. Of course. And my... Which, by the way, Imperfect Gentleman, just to let you know, it's myself and my co-host George Corey, who's also an AfterBuzz host, and we, every week, we bring two female panelists to yeah. discuss how we can become better men. Okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll put myself Would up love next time. to have you. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, well, um, you can find me at Yasmin Tanris, and please do give us five stars on iTunes if you are listening for, through podcasts as well. Yeah. And where can we find you, Jesse? Well, and if you guys are watching on YouTube, please leave a comment. Just join the discussion. You guys can hit me up at DJ Jesse J and hit us up at Talking TED Talks across all social media platforms. Shout out to Rick's... Uh, what is it? Rick's, Rick's Mace, Mace TV, TV News, News and Ryan Nielsen. Join the conversation. And Meek Mill and Megan Gallagher as well. Me- Meek Mill. Oh, Megan, you was a, a guest here. Yes. Thank you. We Thanks appreciate so you guys. Also, check out AfterBuzz TV across all social media platforms. Till next week, same time, same place. I was just thinking Drake would have joined the conversation, but he couldn't find a ghostwriter. <laughs> yeah, I said it. <laughs> Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. (laughs) The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 